I'm James Ryan Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 127. Today's thought from above is this, God is on your side. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. I recently read a story about a man whose father, when this man was a little boy, his father would sneak into his bedroom while he was sleeping and would whisper a message, a kind of benediction. And he said that that message that his father would say over and over, the same message, that it worked its way into his heart. And now, even when he's older, he's in his 50s now, he can still hear his father whisper these words, this message that ended up shaping his life. Here are those words. God loves you. God is on your side. He's coming after you. He is relentless. I love this story, but it has more meaning for me because the name of the father that that young man was talking about, who came in and whispered these words over him when he was sleeping, that father was Eugene Peterson. I've long been a fan of the work of Eugene Peterson. He passed away in 2018. Eugene is perhaps best known for his translation of the Bible called The Message, which has been read and loved by millions. Eugene was a pastor for nearly all of his life, and he was a very prolific writer, great speaker, traveled a lot and, and preached and taught, and his books have had a huge impact on me. When I came across this quote from his son, Leif, that he shared that at Eugene's funeral. He said, look, my dad had really only one sermon, one message for his whole life. And then Leif said that his dad actually fooled everyone during these many, you know, 30 plus years of pastoral ministry. He said, you know, for all of his books, all of his sermons, all his addresses, my dad let me in on a secret. He just had one message. That was the secret. Eugene says, I've been fooling everybody because I just have one message. And that one message is what he whispered over his son as he slept. Let me say it again. God loves you. God is on your side. He's coming after you. He is relentless. Now, my, my heart warmed when I read those words, and, and maybe it did for you as well. There's so much I love about this message, and I suppose one of the main reasons is because it's been pretty much the only message I've tried to say over and over in all of my books and all my sermons and the talks I've given over the past three decades. It's a message that captured my heart many years ago and one I've never stopped dwelling on and preaching on and writing about. What I love about it is, is it's so simple. It's, it's easy to understand. To think that, you know, God loves me, God is on my side. 
that's easy to get, but it's so hard to believe, to let it sink into your heart and really live as if that were true. I think that's probably why Eugene thought, if I can just say this over my son, over Leafs, as he's sleeping, if I could just do that, that would maybe sink in. And, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about what we set our minds on, what we think on, how it impacts us. And so a message when it's that clear and that simple and that profound, I think, wow, I want to, I want to really believe it. And yet it is hard. So many people that I work with, so many Christians will say to me, I just can't be sure. I'm, I'm just not sure that God really, really loves me. Which leads to the question, why? Why is that? Well, I think it's because we live in a culture of rejection and a culture of earning. So love, therefore, is something we come to believe that we got to earn. We have to earn it. And if some reason, for some reason we fail, if we do badly, then we assume, well, I just can't be loved. Because that's the world that we live in. In this world we live in, we even add a qualifier to love. I love you because... We come to believe that we're lovable if, if we do the right things, if we say the right things, if we act the right way, if we look the right way, then, then maybe we can be loved. And many of us experience the flip side of that. It goes something like this. I reject you because. I reject you because you didn't do this. You failed at that. You weren't this. And if we fail to earn love, unconditional, irrevocable love, from another person, well, then, of course, we don't have any chance from earning that from God. We could never get that from God because God, after all, sees and knows everything. So that's why I think it's such a pervasive struggle. And the reason that the dominant image of God, even amongst Christians, is that God's an angry judge who's poised to reject us and to punish us when we fail. That's just a message that gets in. But that's not the true Christian message. That's not the real Christian story. The real Christian story is a radical reversal of seeing love as something that must be earned or that can be lost. John 3.16, the most famous verse of all, right? The Bible verse almost everybody knows, says it clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved. That's the Christian message. And God loves us not merely by some emotion, but through action, by sending his son. God sent Jesus, as it says in John 3, 16, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved and rescued. Rescued from what? Rescued, first and foremost, from this culture of rejection and this this culture of having to earn, this fear that we have to do something for it, this worry, this anxiety. That's what he's rescued us from. Because the incarnation, God becoming one of us, was only the beginning of this rescue operation of love. Jesus' entire life, all of his teachings, all of them pointed to the same message. There's a God who is love, a prodigal God who loves lavishly. And in Jesus, we see God saying to us over and over that same message. I love you because I love you because I love you. It's so simple, so clear, and something we were made for, but it's something so hard for us to fully receive. The second clause of Eugene's message was this, God is on your side. I love that. 
And I really think this is another way of expressing the first clause, that God loves us, right? It's to say, He loves us, and one way He loves us is that He's on your side. Because as I said, love is not merely a feeling. It's not just a warm glow of appreciation or an endearing emotion. Love acts. Love does. And one way it acts is by being on our side. I love this metaphor about God is on your side. We often hear the phrase, you know, I'm on team so-and-so. Well, you know, that means essentially that I am for that person. I'm backing that person. That's my person. I'm standing with you. I have your back. It means I'm going to be there for you. And I love that. And I think it's probably also the reason that we love Psalm 23. Because this need for someone to be on our side, to be for us, to be with us, that's exactly what Psalm 23 is about. Because in that psalm, we're told God's like a good shepherd who provides all we need, who protects us, who is with us in good times and bad, and who anoints us and blesses us, whose goodness and mercy follow us every step of our lives. So as our mind is set on Psalm 23, we're connecting with this truth, really the same message that Eugene was talking about. But I like that. God is on your side. God is on your team. God is on my team. A few years ago, I wanted to invite Eugene, actually, uh, to come and speak at the Apprentice Gathering. And I knew that a mutual friend of ours was close enough, his name's Tom Smith, that if I connected with Tom and said, hey, do you think Eugene would maybe want to come and speak? Do you think he'd agree to that and accept that invitation? So I'm talking to Tom and says, well, I, I don't think so because he's really stopped traveling and speaking, but hey, you should ask anyway. And besides, he would love to hear from you. <laughs> and I said, wait, Tom, I think you're being really nice. And Eugene Peterson probably has no idea who I am. I'd be very surprised. Said, Tom said, no, it's not true. In fact, I've, I've talked with him about your books and he's read some of them. I mean, I was, wow, just the idea. Eugene Peterson may have read one of my books. Well, I did end up calling him and inviting him to come speak at our conference. And as Tom had predicted, he did decline politely, and he was very honored that we offered. But as we had this lovely conversation and it was coming to an end, I just thought, wow, this has been great. And right in the midst of our our goodbyes, in this very hushed voice, Eugene kind of spoke with this soft voice. He offered eight words that made my soul just soar. His last words to me in that phone conversation, which was the last time I ever spoke with him, he said this, Jim, I'm glad you're on our team. And I just, oh, I floated on a cloud for the rest of the day. The great Eugene Peterson said, he was glad I was on his team. I'm like, I'm I'm glad to be on your team, (laughs) Eugene. I'm glad you want me on your team. I think that's why it made me feel so good. It was such a strong affirmation. It wasn't just, hey, I've read a couple of your books and enjoyed them. That would have been great in itself. But saying, hey, I'm really glad you're on our team. Wow, it just touched me. Because I think we all really want to be liked, to be loved, to be valued, not for what we do, but for who we are. I like to think that God is saying to us, not only he is glad that we are on his team, but that God is glad to be on our team. That God delights in us that much that he's saying, I am on team Fill in the blank with your name. And then the third clause of Eugene's one message is this. God is coming after you. 
Now, sometimes we might hear that phrase, someone's coming after us, and that would be kind of scary, like I was like a threat or something. But this idea that the God who loves us, the God who is, uh, is on our side, that God is coming after us. And it's another image of the love of God, that God is longing to be with us, that God is pursuing us. I love that image, but I'm also aware that you know, there's a paradox in this, in that God is so subtle about it. Because God is coming after us, but God will never overwhelm us or coerce us or force us. Because God is love. So his coming after us has to be subtle. Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed. I remember uh, Dallas Willard once saying that God is so big he has to hide or he'd scare us. I mean, Dallas said, imagine, Jim, if you woke up this morning and the Trinity was staring at you from the foot of your bed. Well, that would, it's quite a picture, isn't it? I mean, that would frighten us. So God is subtle, pursuing us. Yes, God's coming after us, but in the most subtle of ways, in order for us to receive his love of our own volition, not to be forced or coerced. God, in my experience, doesn't knock us over very often. He did with St. Paul and his donkey. He did, he, a couple of times in the Bible, he did really step right in, right, in a way that no one could say no. But by and large, God is subtle. And the primary way that he pursues us is by creating this deep longing within each of us, this longing to be with God. Because God designed us with that, that God-shaped hole, as, as Pascal said. Now, we're free to turn away, and we do. We, we keep sort of trying to run our own lives, but God keeps pursuing us. And that's why the truth of Jeremiah 29, 13 uh, is something I think of often. When God's promise was, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. That's a promise. And then finally, the last clause of Eugene Peterson's one message is this. He is relentless. He is relentless. I'm so glad he added this clause to that message. It's a a way of saying that God will never, never, never give up on us. Sounds like Winston Churchill, right? Never, never, never give up. But that's true of who God is. One of my favorite stories involves my friend Trevor. Many years ago when he was out of college, he'd been working in sports, he'd been working in minor league baseball, but his real dream was to work in the NFL. He just had this passion. Now, this was pre-internet days. This was, this was the days when if you were seeking employment, you got an address, you got a person, and you wrote them a letter. And so Trevor did that. He wrote these letters to these NFL teams saying essentially, I really want to work in the NFL and I'll work for free for a year. Just give me a job and I'll earn it. He ended up sending 50 plus letters. In fact, there were two NFL franchises. One was in Carolina and one was the St. Louis team was moving. So both of those would need brand new management. So Trevor picked them out, found the person and ended up writing a letter to each team for six months. (laughs) he wrote, isn't that amazing? He sent a letter to each team each week for six months. So a guy called him up from the Denver Broncos, uh, who eventually became his boss, and he interviewed him. And then this man named Rick said, well, you want to know how I found you? And Trevor's like, how? He said, well, I was talking to a guy who was involved in the St. Louis team and and their move, so forth. And I told him, man, I need somebody with some persistence who's going to really get after this new program we're developing. And, uh, and I don't, don't know where to start. 
And then this guy, remember he worked for that organization, said, well, I'll tell you this, there's this crazy guy who's been sending me a letter every week for the last six months. I think he'd do it. I just love that story. And Trevor ended up getting the job and did a wonderful job at that and had a great experience when he worked with the NFL. But why did he get the job? It wasn't the content of his letters. It was his persistence because that's what's so amazing. We look at that on a human level and say, wow, I mean, a letter a week for six months. Who does that over and over, get constant rejection? And the thing is, Trevor's a human being. He's bound to fail. At some point, right, we'll give up as humans, but God is not bound to fail. When we hear that God is relentless, we can be sure he is never going to give up on us. God is never detoured by our rejection, our failures, our turning away. Every single hour of every single day, God is there loving us first. Just as Seren Kierkegaard prayed. I shared in a previous podcast, Kierkegaard's great prayer, where he says, in a sense, God, you've loved us first, and we think that you've loved us first only once. But you're there loving us first every single day. Every moment if I turn to you, you're there loving us first. In the morning, I turn, you're there loving us first. In the evening, I turn to you, you're there loving us first. I love that. And I think that's what essentially Eugene was saying, that God is relentless. Recently, my wife and I had a a date night, something we like to do. We went out to dinner and sometimes we'll think, well, let's have some discussion over something. So I printed off some table questions. Our family likes to use table questions. And um, we use them to ask each other a question and then we talk and it leads to great discussion. But one question really stopped me in my tracks, and it was this. If you had a friend who spoke to you in the same way that you sometimes speak to yourself, how long would you allow this person to be your friend? Wow, I thought, gosh, you know, I I have some pretty negative self-talk. I could be pretty ruthless and mean to myself and my own self-talk. And I thought, yeah, you know, if I had a friend who spoke to me the same way I often speak to myself, I don't think I would allow them to be my friend. Which, of course, is the point. So, I have been, since I read that, and I read the, the thing about Eugene Peterson, and then I read that, and I thought, you know, what's my New Year's resolution going to be? And I thought, I want to I shut down the negative self-talk and instead replace it with something. And frankly, that's actually when I came upon the story about Eugene's one message. So that was my New Year's resolution for 2022. And I've been saying it. And I put it actually in the first person. And this is how I say it. I say it to myself several times a day. God loves me. God is on my side. God is coming after me. And God is relentless in his love for me. Now, I'm not that far into 2022 yet, but I've been using this practice, and I can already say this, it definitely is helping me put my mind on things above. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next week for episode 128. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith, and you can learn more about this podcast, and if you'd like to donate, to the Things About Podcast, you can. You can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.